Jewish audio on Chabad.org. Today's uh, mitzvahs are, are two mitzvahs, and we could uh, term today's learning collateral damage. It's a little different than it usually used. The mitzvahs are about collateral. This is the 299th share of Rambam that we've been learning. It corresponds to the 13th, 14th, and 15th chapters of Malva Veleva, of the laws of borrowing and repaying the loans, which are, as we learn, mitzvahs. And usually, what happens is, when somebody gives a loan, he wants to make sure he gets paid back. And the simplest way to do that is to get collateral, to get a mashka. So there are a number of mitzvahs that govern how we take a mashka. Today's mitzvahs are about the kinds of mashkonot, collateral, that one is forbidden to take. Mitzvah Reishma Malaf, negative mitzvah number 241, the Torah warns us that the collateral of a widow, whether she is impoverished, an aniyah, or whether she is affluent, an ashira, is not permitted. The Torah says this explicitly. In the fifth book of the Torah, Dvarim, Chavdala, Yudzayin, Deuteronomy 24, verse 17, the Torah says, Velo tachbol beged almona. You will not take the garment of a widow. The Mishnah, Mesechet Bava Metziah, chapter 9, Mishnah 13, which you've been quoting the last couple of days. Almona, bein shehi ania, bein shehi ashira, a widow, whether she is poor or wealthy, ein memashkinin ota. We may not take collateral from her. Shenemar, as it is stated in the Torah, lotachbo beged almona. The details of this mitzvah the Rambam tells us are explained in the ninth chapter of Mesechet Bava Metziah. It is important to point out that all of these limitations of taking collateral only apply post ipso facto, which means after the loan is given. And now the person who took the loan is not paying back. Or the person who, got, who gave the loan is afraid that he's not going to get paid back. So that's when he starts to say, uh-oh, I need to have some surety. I need to be guaranteed I'm going to get my money back. So I'm going to look for collateral. So the collateral that we're prohibited from taking is the collateral that is after the loan is given. But as the Sefer Achinuch, quoting the Rambam, says clearly, it is, it is, it is uh, abundantly clear, he says, that these prohibitions are only isr eino elo all of these prohibitions, says the Sefer Achinuch, quoting the Rambam in the beginning of Vilchas Malva Valoiva, are only applicable after the loan is given. But during the loan, it is permissible to take any kind of collateral from any person. If a person agreed to give collateral, and that was the condition the loan was given, then there is no issue. Moving right along, now we're going to learn, before we learn about the kind of person you're not allowed to take collateral from, now we're going to learn about the kind of collateral you're not allowed to take from anybody. And this is the 242nd negative mitzvah of the Torah. shows harnu, the warning that the Torah gave us. Milamashkin kelim adam You're not allowed to take artifacts, utensils, which are used to prepare food. Anything which is used in food preparation may not be taken as collateral. For example, says the Rambam, that which people would use once upon a time when they had to grind 
wheat to make flour. In today's day and age, a bread machine that needs the dough for you. Pots and pans. Even including the instruments used to kill the animal in a kosher way, which is called shechita. All of these things, anything which is considered to be dover sha'osim bo ochel nefesh, something which you do, which you use to make ochel nefesh, you're not allowed to take. It's interesting that the Magad Mishnah points out in his commentary on the Rambam that it's clear from the Rambam that this only applies to artifacts. What if a person has a parachoreshet, which means the, a cow or an ox, who we use to plow the field? Then that would be considered. It's only an artifact. So the yoke of the ox you wouldn't be allowed to take. But the ox itself is not included in this prohibition. The prohibition, he says, only includes artifacts or instruments. And this is also the opinion of a variety of other Rishonim, including the Rashba, and the Tur rules so in Shulchan Aruch in, in chapter 245. So according to this Shita, according to this approach, which is the approach of the Rambam and the Rashba, anything which could be used to, to make food, to prepare food, would be included in this prohibition. And now it gets very interesting. The Rambam says, from, from where do we know this? The Torah's language about taking, about the kind of collateral you're not allowed to take, it goes as follows. Lo yachbol rochayim v'rochev. You're not allowed to take a mill, the millstones. Now the millstones, there are two kinds of millstone. There's a millstone which is stationary, which usually was fastened to the ground, or was actually a part of the bedrock. And then there was the, the stone, the grinding stone that rode, so to speak. This is called a rochav. It rides on top. If you go to visit Israel today, you can go to these villages in which they have reenacted life as it was 2,000 years ago or 3,000 years ago. And you actually see a rechaim v'rochav that we learn about. You can see the actual stone on the bottom and the large stone on the top. In, in certain instances, it was too heavy for a person to pull. They would have animals that would pull the stone round and round. And uh, later on, people got smarter and they figured out that they could have a mill at the side of a river and you'd have a large wheel and the wheel would turn because the water was rushing in and there was like paddles which were catching the water. This is something probably more of you are familiar with. In the times of the Mishnah, we don't know of such mill, mills, but in, in, in the Middle Ages, this was very common. <coughs> in fact, most people still have an image of a mill, something that's at the side of a river. There's a large wheel that's turning and it was the, using the water pressure to turn with a series of pulleys of very heavy and large stone so you'll be able to manufacture an enormous amount of flour from wheat. So the Torah says to us, you're not allowed to take a rachayim v'rachayim, even a millstone you're not allowed to take. Which from this we learned, it doesn't have to be only a spatula or a frying pan. We're not talking only about a blender. We're talking about anything which is used in preparation of food, even something which is remote from the kitchen. Like a rachayim v'rachayim is, is an industrial uh, unit. It's something that, that churns out maybe hundreds of pounds of flour and they sell these kilos of flour uh, to many people. So it's not uh, something that's actually used in a person's home. But a person could have had it in their home. They could have had a rechaim v'rochav. So if a person has a rechaim v'rochav with a grinding, their own flour, you're not allowed to take that as a collateral. Now the Rambam says, why does the Torah say rechaim v'rochav? And he says that's to teach you that you, if you take a rechaim v'rochav, the stone on the bottom, as well as the stone that rides on top, that you would violate two mitzvahs. And this is stated so clearly in the Mishnah. The Mishnah says, it's not only Rechaim V'Rochav, it's anything that could be used to make Ochel Nefesh. 
And the reason the Torah says is, quote, When you take away the ability for somebody to cook for themselves, somebody to provide themselves with nourishment, with food, then you're actually robbing them of life itself. And it's very important for you to get paid back. But it's not important enough for you to rob somebody of life's essentials. The Rambam says now, we see that this is something that a person would violate two mitzvahs, a rechayim and a rochav. So he says, you would think that it's actually two separate mitzvot in the Torah. The Torah uses this interesting expression, lo yachbo rechayim v'rochav. Ah, so it's two mitzvahs. So we should have mitzvah 242 and mitzvah 243. Mitzvah 242 will be rechayim, the bottom, and mitzvah 243 will be the rochav. And the Rambam says you may make such a mistake by analyzing the words of the Gemara in Mesechet Bava Metziah on page 116 that it says over there, If you take the bottom millstone, you're obligated, you have violated a sin, a mitzvah in the Torah. And then if you take the millstone that rides on top, you violate again a negative prohibition of the Torah. So you're going to make the mistake and think, ah, these are two mitzvahs, two separate prohibitions. The Rambam says that's not so. The thing is like this. If you take a number of artifacts, you take five pots, and you take five pans, and you take spatulas, and you take ladles, each and every one of these items would be a violation of the mitzvah. The mitzvah is to take even a single artifact. doesn't mean to clean out somebody's kitchen. To take anything from the kitchen is a sin. What's an example? The Ramam says, we, we learned before that there's a mitzvah, you're not allowed to take the garment of a widow. So what happens if you take a garment from Shimon's widow and a garment from Reuven's widow and a garment from Levi's widow and it's, you can say that's it, a bunch of different separate mitzvahs? No, it's one mitzvah that's violated numerous times. So too, when you take from a person all different kalim, so you took, for example, clay tchina. You took, for example, a vessel which is used to grind. You took clay afia, you used baking utensils. Then you took clay lisha, then you used kneading utensils. Each and every single one of these is a separate prohibition. If so, the Ramam asked the question himself, why did the Torah have to go and tell us v'chaim v'rochav if itself understood that if you take a different begadim, different articles of clothing, that you would violate individual mitzvahs, so then why do you have to tell us you're going to violate individual mitzvahs if you take individual articles or artifacts that are used for, for processing food? Any, any kind of utensil that's used for processing food is going to be a violation of this mitzvah. So the Rambam says the Torah is telling you something unbelievable. Inyan hadavar, the thing is like this. The Torah is telling you, even if you take two separate utensils, two separate artifacts, which are only useful when they're together, you can't do anything with a rachayim. A rachayim is a millstone at the bottom. Without a rachav, without the stone riding on top, it's useless. It's like having the bottom piece of the blender, but you don't have the top piece to, to insert on top. So what are you going to do with it? You can do with the blender. You have a, a, a food processor, but you have no blades. Or you, or you have no, no, no utensil to hold the food in. So then the food processor is, is, is worthless. In other words, you need both pieces together in order to be able to effectively do this. A pot without a lid, no. You could still use a pot without a lid. But a rachayim without a rachav is useless. The Torah comes and says, since they have separate names, one is called rachayim and one is called rachav, and they're, they're sold individually, they're repaired individually, they're seen individually, even if one on its own cannot be used for the processing of food, it would constitute a full violation of this mitzvah of the Torah. 
So you took somebody's rechayim alone, or somebody's rachav alone, you fully violated mitzvah number 242. And the Rambam goes on to explain that so it is indeed with any kind of artifact that you take, whether it's going to be something which is used for kneading and something which is used for baking and something which is used for shechita, even if they are only part of something. So you have two parts and you couldn't do it one without the other. Each and every one of these would be an individual violation of this mitzvah. This is the language of our sages in the Sifri on Parshish Kiseitze with regard to this. And this is a quote. What of a rochayim verochav, a millstone, and the rider on top, which they are two separate utensils, and they cannot be used individually. They, could, they together have one singular purpose. If a person would use take one or the other or take both, he would violate an individual mitzvah for each one. Two utensils, two artifacts which are used together in unison to do a single activity. You would be guilty of violating this mitzvah. You would contravene Hashem's will not once but twice. In other words, and the Rambam explains now, even though ultimately you have robbed the person of one use, of one activity, what can't he do? He can't grind his bread now. So it doesn't even make a difference. If you took only the rechaim, he couldn't make flour. He has a beautiful rachav, a beautiful rechaim, pardon me, but he has no rachav, he has no stone on the top. He can't, he can't grind his, his wheat, he can't make flour. So what's the difference if I took only the rachav or if I took the rachayim also? If I took one, already it's rendered useless. Already the other piece can't, can't serve effectively. Nonetheless, says the Rambam, the point is that you would still violate two individual mitzvahs. And the person who does do this, we would have a responsibility of removing it from him. And Yushav Leva'olav has to be returned to the original owners. If it gets lost, or Nisaf, it's destroyed. Before he returns it, then then he gets Malchus. In other words, it's a lava nita classe, a terminology which we've used much in these classes. It's a negative mitzvah which is connected to a positive mitzvah, which means once you do the negative mitzvah, you automatically have the obligation of doing the positive mitzvah. You took something you weren't supposed to take, the Torah says now, return it. So you don't get lashes. Because now that you did, you violated, you contravene Hashem's will in this mitzvah, you have now the opportunity to fulfill Hashem's will with another mitzvah. Having said that, the Rambam tells us that if it's no longer possible to fulfill this item, then you would be in full contravention, and then you would receive the punishment meted out for the violation of a lotase, which is lashes. The kachadin bebeged almana, so also is the halacha with regard to the garment of a widow, which is mitzvah 241 that we mentioned earlier. It's further interesting to note that not only is this mitzvah only applicable post ipso facto, after the loan takes place, and it's not applicable prior, that if somebody would take the loan right away, the, 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 this right away, that it would, it would not be an issue at all. So another interesting thing that the Sefer Achinuch tells us, and he, 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 he says he's quoting the Rambam, is that if a person does this through the ages of the court, he goes to the Bezdin, and the Bezdin is not as learned as they should be, or he forces the Bezdin in some way to do it, he would violate this mitzvah in the same manner. It doesn't matter if he did it yourself, doesn't matter if you sent an agent, doesn't matter if you sent a bezdin, the violation of the mitzvah is a violation of the mitzvah. It's not the actor, the one who did it, it's the fact that this was taken from a person as collateral.
And that is a contravention of Hashem's Torah. That is against the will of God. And if it's done, then the person responsible for it would ultimately have the positive mitzvah of returning it. And if that, on failing that or, or being unable to do that, they would receive lashes. And that concludes the sheer number 299 of Limnarambam.